welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Welcome to Advice from a Young Tradesman, Season 3, Episode 4. I am your host, Noah Cantor, and this is the final episode of the initial three-part batch of 3X Space, making this one 3X Space 3. I know, I know that's a lot. It's a wordy title. <laughs> Again, I am joined by stand-up guys Connor McLaughlin of Remnant Restoration Painting and Luke de Blasi of de Blasi Painting. We start out this episode with, believe it or not, more scheduling kerfuffles out of Connor's Corner. That can be a bit of YouTube, Connor's Corner. And um, after that, we meander. It is looser than the first two, and if we go forward, I would like to put a bit more structure in place. But hey, as I said, this is an experiment. We are all learning here, especially me. As I've said, your feedback is going to inform what we do with this idea going forward. I certainly have some episodes planned that are just me solo with other guests like the old days, so more of those will be out soon, but I and we want to hear from you. Link to the anonymous quick surveys in the show notes, pretty please, and thank you. Okay, I'll now thank our sponsors and we will get to it. And as you know, Painter Solutions has jumped onto this three-part series. They are a distributor of a wide array of essential painter gear, sundries, equipment, you name it. And none of what they sell are those janky off-brand products like some Amazon drop shippers sell. Painter Solutions is slinging the good stuff. And they sling the good stuff because the people behind this business are careful curators because they have experience in the whites and in the work boots. And that knowledge informs everything they do in bringing us the best brands with an incredible customer experience. If you've done business with them again in the past and were impressed, as I imagine you were, do it again. And if you've never given them a look, check them out to see it for yourself. And when you do, on orders of 100 or more placed before the end of February 2022, you can use the coupon code PODCASTGIFT, all one word, at checkout, and you will receive a thank you gift for letting them know I sent you. Again, podcast gift. Another thanks to the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, our fearless trade association, for supporting the show. The PCA is an aggregator of the best in the industry, the best people, the best content, the best resources for owners and employee painters. And as I mentioned in the last intro, health insurance is in the mix there too now. The amount of support and community this organization offers is staggering when you get down to it. And there is no better way to really fully Feel the full force of that than to check out their expo where they get to flex it all, especially after having to take a year off due to the COVID. The expo is in Orlando, Florida, March 2nd through 4th, featuring the greatest minds in the industry and a loaded schedule of heavy hitting programming. If you are listening to this, odds are you are a forward thinking, growth oriented paint contractor, and if that is true, and you're not involved with this organization, I would ask that you consider it. And lastly, thanks to Armstrong Clark for joining for another season. Since I made the announcement to go interior only for my company this year, I've had some people question whether an exterior stain grade dork like myself can handle an all interior summer. And that is a fair question and the answer is absolutely yes, I think I can. 
but there are going to be some days that I will be in a cool, climate-controlled house, maybe shivering a little, and I'll be wishing I was sweating it out somewhere in the sun and humidity, laying out gallons and gallons of AC on some expertly soft-washed wood. I will. I will for sure miss that. So what I'll have to do is live vicariously through all of you on Instagram. If you know, you know. I don't have to tell you to use more of this stuff. But if you don't know, you should know. So give Armstrong Clark a call, check out their website or their Instagram, order a sample kit, try this stuff, and get in the know. All right, episode time. Thank you for listening. Remember the survey and enjoy. All right, gentlemen, welcome back. Let's, let's cover our weeks. Luke, you just got back from Vegas? Yeah, I just took the red eye, left at 10 o'clock last night. Uh, and landed here at, we had a delay, but landed here at 7 in the morning in New York City and took a, my wife came pick me up, hour and a half up, back to home. Uh, hmm. I was out for a family, or for a wedding. My cousin was getting married. I have family out there. And it was, uh, it was fun. My parents drove out. They do like, they love doing road trips and stuff like that. Yeah. So my dad brought like four bags of de Blasi painting gear out there. <laughs> and it was just like, it was like garbage bags full of stuff. And you just like, we like kind of placed it there. It was like hyenas coming in on like a, a dead carcass. <laughs> it's like t-shirts flying everywhere and stuff, but it was, it was fun. It was cool to see. Uh, those guys were probably more excited about the business than, uh, than I was at that stage of the game. So it was just, it was cool to see all those guys in the gear and, uh, it was a fun, a fun weekend, and it's so different out there. If I saw one more like slightly orange, reddish, brownish stucco house, yep. I was gonna lose my mind. So yep. I, that's all I could think about when I was out there. I was like, "What is it like?" And all the walls are just like this horrible texture, and I'm just like losing my mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could sand your fingertips down to raw just by like rubbing the wall. Yeah, it's, so it's all we can see when we travel. It's all all we're looking at are minute architectural details and finishes. There's no. mountain. There's mountains all over Vegas, and you were looking <laughs> at the stucco. <laughs> yeah, there's like, yeah. How about red rocks in the background? You're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Look at the that texture. stucco patch. Looks yeah. terrible. God, you'd there. have to backroll the hell out of that. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I get. I mean, I was just, I was going to the bathroom. I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, how would I patch a wall and make it look reasonable? Again, I just have, yeah. I literally have no idea. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I'm sure somebody in Las Vegas has got that down pat, but it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems wow. strange. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Kind but of, yeah, good trip. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm glad, like, one more note on that. Like, we were talking about, you were talking about how few vacations you've had last week. So I'm glad that a week has gone by since that last recording. And you, you see how quickly I make adjustments yeah. in my business. Yes. I needed four days and I was on Look vacation. At Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, it was, uh, it was nice to get away. And I did have, um, we had things pretty well set up here. We had a couple, couple phone calls, a couple little issues. Uh, but for the, I had like some, some legitimate Zen, like hours I would say where my brain just totally shut down on mm-hmm. work stuff and I just got to be 100% present and it was a lot of fun excellent wow good for you excellent Connor yeah this uh past week um <clears throat> sharing a little bit with you Noah but Luke I'll let you in on it um my uh worst fear that I had with 
kind of restarting in, in uh, January after we had our our initial winter backlog of work got gutted. Um, happened again this week. Yeah. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and this was, uh, so December, uh, yeah, recap December, backlog gutted, had a, we took off the last, I don't know, two, two weeks of the year, did a reset, um, finally got a backlog I was comfortable with, but it largely depended too on a, uh, a large project with a production studio um, <clears throat> here in Pittsburgh. And so your client was the production studio? Yes. Bro. Okay. So it was like a more of a commercial type job. In- uh, yes. So they did some filming in someone's home and, uh, yeah, they did filming in someone's home that this person was in the process of doing a historic restoration on themselves. Um, and you know, somehow she got in Netflix, got in contact with her. They knew each other. Uh, and they wanted to use her living room, dining room, her house for filming for this show or movie. And she agreed to have them do the work. Uh, but her one condition was like, I want all of my walls to go back to bare plaster because she wants her entire home, like just unpainted, just raw plaster. Was it the original plaster? Yeah. And they painted yeah, over it. Yeah. So they, they put up wallpaper. They didn't size anything. They primed all the walls and ceilings. Oh, um, oh so we were going to come in and do like a meticulous chemical strip. And I came in, I came up with a, a good uh, strategy that the homeowner seems like seemed like impressed like with what I knew and kind of my game plan anyways like they accepted he's like just send me uh fill out this form and like I'm gonna get you your deposit right away and then he let me know like actually pump the brakes because we're gonna submit this for insurance because it was a it was a decent sum of money money to do all this work. So I was like, okay. Um, but it, yeah, this past week found out that like, yeah, it's just getting indefinitely delayed. Um, and it's not because of the production studio or cause they definitely want this resolved. Um, and it's not because of insurance, but it's largely like this homeowner, is just, um, I don't know, Did, giving giving uh, the production studio um, a really really hard time. And the, yeah, the, the guy was he was my contact who was going to hire us. I mean, I yeah, I feel really bad for him because this this person is yeah not happy and almost like. 
doesn't want to be made happy and you can't make yeah. them happy. And they're, I, I think, yeah. Let me just make sure I understand the situation you walked into. Cause I, I, yeah. I have like a hundred potential questions here. <laughs> like, Cause this is such, I've never heard of a job like this. So production company spec this person's mid restoration, mid work done home as the, their desired backdrop. Yeah. Before you arrived, even on scene to bid it, they had not sized primed and put wallpaper up. And then you were tasked with removing all that back down to bare plaster. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. That, yeah. They brought me in to bring in all the rooms. They did the filming, everything back to raw plaster. Okay. So filming was done and you it were was just, done. You were the, they're, like they're cleaning wanting up to, and restoring essentially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're, wow. They were wanting to, the contractors they brought in to make the set look how they wanted. Like they just, they didn't size. They should not have primed. They did. They weren't supposed to paint the ceilings. They did like, they just did all this stuff. They got splatter on the original woodwork, which, you know, is it, it's over a hundred years old and, you know, not in great condition, but they like the homeowner really liked the character of <laughs> the woodwork. Uh, so it was real, like it was, oh my God. yeah. So it was, um, a shit show. Yeah. yeah so yeah. <laughs> last, last I knew was just like, Hey, like this is, this just has to go through insurance and like it's the holidays. So, and it's insurance. So it's like, we're working through this, but it looks like, yeah. So yeah, that, I mean, that was, that was my, my week. So just another massive chasm. Do you, <laughs> how long out was, was that supposed to fill? Uh, I mean, that was, I don't know, a, a good, at least 400 hour project. So for, so for like the, it was a solid chunk of what I had built up and I had some like estimates already scheduled for this week. Um, And with, I mean, so yeah, it, I was okay with the lead time I had, like I still knew, like I still have a backlog to fill and this just dramatically like, shortened it a crazy amount so, um whereas in december when like those projects drop and by the way if, if you don't know what we we're alluding to in december go back and listen to our second episode together as a trio which will be episode three for the season but you know like it was hard to fill those spaces because you were up against christmas at that point and like we all know like like people aren't going to be flexible and take a, a yeah. last minute job on christmas but now we're not dealing with that so like are you able to to kind of sub people in or like, what's your lead time looking like right now? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, a week and a half. Uh, now it's, it was a week and a half. Now, let's see here. I mean, I should be into February now, or first week of February. That week should be mostly covered have a little bit in the second week so i've yeah originally out like originally when i got that call i was like next week or yeah which is now i guess this week 
once we wrap up our current projects, like I may have to look at laying everyone off because otherwise too. Yeah. So it was really just brutal. So, yeah. So what I didn't, let me just be, let me make sure I understand. Like, is there, so you have clients that are, have firm dates for February, but like no one that you can move up. And so therefore you have, yeah. So I didn't have a gap. Yeah. I didn't have people I could move up, but I filled it. Um, so with that few estimates I had this week, a couple accepted. Oh, that's good. And no. one of them too was, I mean, uh, like a, they've been a repeat client that I've already done a good amount of work for and they're bringing us back to do some more, another good amount of work for them. So that, that helps. And they're, they were totally good with having short notice. So, cause, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, very, like very gracious clients and they have been very happy with us and they're also they've been having a ton of work done in their home the past two years and yeah i mean this will be wrapping up their interior in their home and yeah they're they're ready they're they're so they're they're excited to have us come in and come in in short notice and just knock this out for them mm-hmm. so yeah so i was able to make some things happen this week, which was, you know, that, that was a huge blessing. And, but yeah, I mean, looking ahead to this week, I'm going to have to, through the end of January, just really, um, yeah, ex- explore all my options as far as leads, um, which was something I was already in the process of doing, but losing this large project just was another, another, uh, uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. When you, when you're talking about, if you don't mind me jumping in, talking about leads, like, so I know for me, you know, over, I I walked into a bit of a, a little bit of a network of contacts from, uh, like within the construction world. Like, you know, my, my old man had a bunch of carpenters that he's worked with in the past, you know, tapers, drywall guys, electricians, plumbers. I mean, like it's a long list of like people that run in the same circles that we run in. Those yeah. are like the first guys I call when we have something open up in the schedule or customers that have kind of alluded to or like, you know, down the road, we'll have more for you. And I'll just call, I'll just call 15, 20 people and just like, Hey, just let you know, we have something to open up. Is that kind of what you're thinking with uh get chasing those leads down or are you thinking like like a lead service type thing like a yelp or uh home advisor yeah I, yeah um yeah so <laughs> during schedule obl- obliteration phase one <laughs> in december what i did was i went through class my past client list and um, email people I've done work for and think might have work we could do. And that helped, you know, quite a bit with January 
And, you know, even the estimates I had this week were due to emails I sent back in mid-December. So that was, that was good there. Um, and there's, there's still definitely more follow-up I can do, but as, as far as exploring leads, I mean, I, I think, yeah, what, what it just might come down to is really look at, um, yeah, go through just with the contacts I have made, like Luke, you were saying, and the, the different people I've run into and, um, you know, letting them know and, and also, yeah, and also to exploring social media marketing, uh, probably not Facebook, but Instagram and just seeing what happens there. And even, and even like, regardless of what happens with that or not, like that's, that's something too, I'd like to, uh, yeah, find out like what works, what doesn't, um, Cause that's, that's something going into 2022, especially if I'm looking at growing this company more and looking at stepping away, I, I guess I want to have a marketing strategy going into, especially next fall. Like I want to already have something in place come late summer, early fall. And yeah, yeah. Just have a, a lead generation or funnel system that's, I guess, uh, yeah, made of just different facets, different avenues leads can come in. And well, to me, the question is, 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 is like the amount and quality of leads coming in the issue or are these like weird scenarios that have kept popping up and derailing your schedule more of it? Like, do you feel like you have enough quality, leads coming in that you're feeling fielding yeah uh yes so yes if if we didn't have these yeah different scenarios happen in december and this month you know we would be sitting through the end of february if, if not, yeah. you know, into March. So that's, I think it's a pretty healthy lead time for a three, four ish person company. Yeah. Like Two ish months or so. Like that's, it's not too long. You're probably pricing yourself. All right. There's some comfort there. Like, yeah, I, we could talk about that too. I think like, like Slavic's been talking about that a lot. I think that's, that's been, that's a thing that I've been thinking about is what your lead time should be in this market, depending on your size. I think that's yeah. an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. One, one thing I've just been even been thinking about with that is like, if I have more leads coming in, then there is a smaller and smaller percentage of clients accepting that I need. Uh, so if I have, yeah, so, and, you know, I guess that way, like looking at kind of raising my prices more 
Uh, just if I'm having more leads, I can afford to charge higher and get more no's, but get the yeses I need and be able to, I guess, achieve what I'm looking to accomplish. So that's, um, and it's not necessarily number of leads, right? It's like number of work day per lead, like the size of the lead, you know? Cause like, if you're getting, you don't yeah. really want, like, I, at least from my understanding of your business, you're not looking for, Hey, I have two bedrooms, you know, we're looking to just, just paint the wall. Like there are companies that are built for that. And when you're in a tight spot, you'll take that kind of stuff. But like, like if you, like you said, if you can get a 400 hour lead, that's a big difference than like some old lady who's got a little bit of wallpaper that needs to come down, you know, on a 1970s bathroom, you know, yeah. and you, and that price point like you need customers that you can hit with the price that they're not going to worry about. And you can provide the quality that, you know, is going to fulfill that. Hold on one sec. I got my monster dog barking at the door. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I, yeah, I guess just raising, raising our like numbers and rate, like that's, that's something I want to be able to do. Um, yeah, not only like, I really want to make, I guess have like a business that's a great place to work and I want to, yeah, especially uh, like really like to build a company that is attract, like really attracting the right people. And um, yeah, I wanted a good place to work. And yeah, yeah, I mean, there's just, yeah, just like different reasons. Um, well, question on that front, you mentioned like layoffs. Yeah. And I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering like where you're, you're, you're at on that, but also like, since you have solid stuff starting again in like two-ish weeks and it would probably take them like two-ish weeks to start up anywhere else, like what's the conversation there like? Like th theoretically, this is, I know this has happened for two months in a row, but this, should, this is like, this feels yeah. more like one-off fluke stuff than like a baseline. So like, what are your employees thinking? What are you thinking on that front considering that this isn't, this isn't a systemic permanent thing that's going to keep happening. Hopefully I know this is two weeks in a row now we've been talking about it, but like, yeah, I hope that was a concise enough question. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah. With, so back in December, I explained like what happened with them and I would do what I can, but like, Hey, might have to be off for, the last two weeks of the year and checked with them, you know, is this okay with you? And so that was something I was open with and they, uh, they definitely understood like it wasn't anything I did <laughs> to make that happen. And it's just weird and just, okay. That like, that stinks, but we'll also enjoy having time off for the holidays. We'll, you know, see you after the new year. Um, and this, as far as like this past week, I've not shared that with my employees yet, just because I don't want to 
raise the alarm bell if things are going to be okay. Cause I, I knew I had like a few estimates this week that could mm. extend our time. And like, as long as I'm, as long as I'm, yeah, paving like the road ahead and like they're moving forward, like, yeah, yeah, no, I I probably would have done the same thing. Like, see if you can fill the spot, and they never knew. Yeah, I yeah. like I was I was prepared. Like, if this past week didn't go okay, like, yeah, talking with them tomorrow, and just explaining, this is what happened again, completely out of like our control. Like, another weird situation yeah. and and letting them know like i would yeah definitely file for unemployment and i am planning on and would like to rehire you i just like i can't fill work with a turnaround that quick so that's what i was that was the talk i was planning on having with them and that's that's one i didn't want to have because i i really like the people i have working for me and you know i i yeah it's a shitty conversation to have to have and yeah yeah Yeah. nobody wants to have it and then there are times where it comes up and it's like uh just like it hurts your soul you know it's like we're not doing this like we're all doing this to make money but like at the same like you said like trying to make a place to work where that makes people happy right and then a big part of that is being able to provide for them so now it's like not only do you have customers that you're caring for but you have employees that you're caring for and when you even when it's out of your control when something comes through that jacks that up it's like there's a there's a it's a much deeper hurt than like when you disappoint a customer you know it's like a it's part of your gang it's part of your family's like and you're not able to give them what you want to give them. I've been in that position in the past, uh, just like once or twice, and it's it, it sits with me. It's one of the things that kind of like drives me to keep going, moving forward. Is like I don't want to have that feeling. It's, mm-hmm. and it, it sucks. Okay, so it it's Sunday the 16th for recording this MLK day tomorrow. I assume they have off, so you're gonna have that conversation with them before the start of the work weekend on Tuesday. Or- oh, we were. Don't work tomorrow. Oh, were you? We were too until the snow came. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, we're we're getting hit with snow, so. Oh, so we we might probably won't work tomorrow. I mean, I probably can't even get down the street. Yeah, well, you didn't have anywhere to go though, did you? Yeah, yeah. We I I had so we have like a full interior this week. Oh, okay. I missed wrapping that. up an interior from last week, doing a, a dining room, sanding off a. Uh, Bear eggshell. Yummy. Off of all the trim. Mm. Yummy. Let's be honest. He's watching the Steelers right now in the background. He's got the game up <laughs> behind the behind the camera. He's gonna be half in the bag by the end of this episode and he's not waking up in time for work in the morning. Convenient snowstorm for the it's, uh, Yeah, Steelers Chiefs are playing right now for the yep. uh, audience there. Yep. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm actually not a Steelers. Oh, Pittsburgh I'm, people, I'm watch really, out. Yeah, I'm, I mean, 
I'll let I'll let the Yenzers know. I'm I'm just I'm I'm lukewarm towards the Pittsburgh Steelers. My favorite. I mean, I'm, I'm from Minnesota, so I'm like a uh, yeah, just a, a sad Vikings fan. So. <laughs> That's all right. I'm a I'm sad reluctant. Giants fan. I'm a re- reluctant Vikings fan. So. Oh. No, you got your. Are you, you're not not a huge football guy, but you you um, got your Bills, right? I'm from Bills territory, so all <laughs> everyone I know is still a shocked and be incredibly happy about the the blowout last night. But I, Slam I was actually a Steelers fan. In I don't know why. I think it was Troy Polamalu made me a Steelers fan with that hair. I could see. Yeah, no, there's a huge <laughs> relation. I get that a lot, but like that dude was just so much fun to watch, and I was like. I don't really have a team, so let, let's do that one. And then I moved to Vermont and became a hippie who doesn't watch sports. So um, Now you're in a canoe. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, Connor. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you so, need like a lucky charm or something. We need to get, we need to send you like some good luck vibes your way somehow. <laughs> yeah, this was, yeah, this was, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know just crazy like I, i've not i've not had anything not had a single project to cancel on us until like december and they're all big ones and they're all they're all different reasons out of my control so it's you know what an interesting thought is on that and i was just kind of like because i know that i've run into this in the past as well both all of these the one thing in common that all these projects have and they're projects that commonly get delayed and moved with us as well. There's multiple like organizations making decisions. So mm-hmm. it's like, it wasn't just the homeowner. It was the homeowner, the insurance company and the production company for the, uh, for the other one in the past, it was the homeowner and the decorator. And then also like another painter for the, and then mm-hmm. the other one was like a homeowner and uh, there's other construction going on. So it's like those projects while they have the upside of generally being larger projects and there's more people involved, the downside is you start losing control over certain mm-hmm. aspects of it, whether it be the products that you're using, start time, really, you know, the, the scope entirely. That's been my experience yeah. on this end as well. Yeah. That's a good observation. And like, that's yeah. kind of, that's three for three of the two in December and this one, right? Or it was yeah. more complicated than you directly with, a homeowner yeah. with no other actors. So yeah, that's a really good observation. And I don't know, I wonder in that situation in the future, might your deposit schedule change? Might you like not be the only one with potential stakes if they change their mind? Cause like yeah. that, if they had skin in the game, if they had as much skin in the game as you do, they probably wouldn't have done that. And it's, I struggle with this too. If like a client acts shitty and it's a one-off thing, do I make a policy and preemptively punish every other client? <laughs> and it's like, generally the answer is probably not. But the, yeah. the other side of that is like, you kind of got to protect yourself from, from BS. And sometimes people need a potential consequence to do the right thing. And it's, I, I think about that a lot in terms of what I put into contracts and what I don't. Um, is this unnecessarily punitive versus is this a reasonable thing to do? So I guess I wonder how you're like, I don't know with, with Luke's very astute observation about the nature of those three projects. Like, are you thinking about 
implementing anything or doing anything different on that front? Yeah. So yeah, everything one is just comes down to the, yeah, deposits and yeah, in, the, in the past, um, I would invoice them for the deposit two or three weeks for the start date. Um, and you know, they, they could have accepted the, yeah, the proposal months previously. Um, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, the deposit deposit is one, which that's what I've started doing this month is if you want to be on our schedule, I need a deposit. And I do have like a separate account for deposits. So yeah, even I looked at an exterior for early summer. I, I in the notes, I said, if you want to, be on our schedule we need a deposit how so, much though because like there's a difference between a booking and like i remember you said there's a small booking and then 50 percent down like two weeks out is that i'm remembering that correctly from what you said uh in, in the in the past my deposit has been 50 percent. if it's 50 percent, if it's the project takes less than two weeks um if it's a project more than two weeks like if it's a three or four a week, then it's 30% or it just depends on like how many hours it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, actually I, in, in that email, I did not specify in yeah, December to just with those projects really uh, made me realize as, as far as like contracts, law in Pennsylvania, I need to get brushed up on it because there's yeah some things i'm it, like it, it's just a little ambiguous even mm. just as far as what you can take for it a deposit um cancellation mm. and all that so i i think that's something i probably just need to speak with a lawyer about and get that buttoned up yeah kind of gets to like those um we were talking about previously a little bit into those what's an overkill system for a smaller business and what makes sense and mm-hmm. like i'm sitting here listening to you talk on her i'm thinking the same thing like we we run a little bit more volume than you but like I, I i very regularly change what i do when it comes to uh each individual situation and i don't really have like a standard contract written i don't you know it's probably very silly things for me to be saying at a person, you know, at a company of the size that we're at, but like there are downsides to that. Like the flexibility of being able to move stuff around and being kind of the only person in charge of the money and like being able to keep tabs on all that and really fit your company to the situation that's at hand, whether you know if the customer's a little tighter on money or whatever. But when it comes down to it, like I, I'm not doing a good enough job in my company protecting myself from the customer like that that constant i'm gonna appease everybody and i want to make this situation work for myself that i run through is like i need to kind of change that to like this is how we do this if this doesn't work for you you're gonna need to find a different company that's gonna that's gonna be able to do that for you because and like i can kind of use the situation that you found yourself in as like a really good learning example which is like 
you're just trying to do the right thing. You're just trying to provide people with a product that they want at a price that's reasonable and be accommodating. And like that can absolutely kick you in the ass. Yeah. We're probably all in this industry to an extent because we want to serve people and make people happy. And that can be a curse and a blessing when that's overdone. Um, I, I did an Instagram poll a while back when I was overhauling and rethinking my deposit system of like, what does everyone do? And one thing I I noticed is that the bigger, more established, more systematized companies had more stringent and larger deposits. Like some people were saying 50% booking, even if it's months out. That's the ZK. Yeah. 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 And like, that's something that like, like you kind of, I was like, I don't need someone's 10 grand four months away. Like, yeah, but that was just, why not? Like I, it's not going to go anywhere. I'll put it in my bank account. It's like, I I can account for that. Um, But it was just like a feeling of like, I didn't want to do that to people. Um, And then you're kind of beholden too, right now. Like I have your $10,000 sitting in my bank account and a great opportunity comes up that's going to be in between the start yeah. your start date and where I am now. Mm-hmm. Do I have to say no to this? Yeah. Because I've taken your money now. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I'm kind of loose with our deposit schedule too, is because like maybe by the time I get to your job, I don't really want to do it all that much. And it's not, <laughs> it's not a priority. Like maybe other better things came up because that's real life. You know, if you can make twice the money on something, because somebody's in a rush mm-hmm. than you can from somebody you sold three months ago. If you didn't take a deposit, what's your ethical obligation there to put them in that spot? And if you did, what is it? I don't know. Well, let me, let me just make sure you're, you're not saying you'd cancel on them. You'd just kick them Bump to them. a spot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, no, we'll still, we'll still do the job for the unwanted customer, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think we've all been there. Um, Wow. What I've found is that people just comply with whatever's in the contract happily because guess what? Painters aren't the only trade or service that wants money up front to secure our schedule. Yeah. Like I, I overthought it. And then when I implemented the new system, I, I, everyone was extremely compliant. I would get like, I got used to seeing a notification that my proposal was accepted and then a Venmo notification for a booking deposit immediately with that, like they just followed the instructions in my contract and didn't even email me about everything. It was, yes, let's do it. Here's the booking deposit. Like no complaints. Isn't it funny how we have these hesitations about like what we can do. And then when we do them, it's like, okay, cool. Great. It's like when you put out a big number on an estimate and a lot of the time you'll get like a, yeah, you've lost your mind, you know, go take a hike. But sometimes it'll just be like, okay, when can I write you a check or, you know, it's just like we build up this anxiety. I'll speak for myself. I build up this anxiety in my head about like, well, can I really charge that much? And like, do should we really be doing? You know, all this really any type of change within the company, and yeah. it's when you do it and it's not a big deal. You're like, yeah, I'm I'm the person that's making a big deal out of this, not yeah. not the outside world. Us early thirty somethings should probably not try to think for the people hiring us who are twice our age in a very different income bracket. It's a good point. It's It's a really good point. We have no business overanalyzing their brain in relation to money. Yeah. Um. So I I say that doing it all the time, but I I can also step back and be like, that's it. That's what do I know? 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's a good. It's very smart. It's a, it's uh yeah. You were not. We're not the same. We're not our ideal customer, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. But do you think? Do you think that? Once you take that deposit, do you feel different? Like now, now that you have that stringent deposit schedule, Connor, and or uh, Noah, and ha- and I'm not sure how far out you are right now, but like, do you feel more pressure now, knowing that there's like, whatever, you know, half of the next four months of or two months of income sitting in your bank account, and you haven't produced that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I, my booking deposit is $500. Yeah. So all I want is a little skin in the game. I want them to have done an action that has a smallish monetary consequence to them. Yep. That makes them pay attention a little more. Like, so I haven't had a situation. I haven't had like catastrophic cancellations pile on me yet. Like maybe I would take 50% a month out if that happened. (laughs) I take 50% two weeks out. And I do the same thing as Connor. If it's like a multi-week job, I might split it into thirds. Um, Smart. But yeah, yeah. But that, it just hasn't happened yet. I also don't, I just go straight to the homeowner. I really never work with GCs or overcomplicate anything. with design. If there's a designer, they're picking colors and getting out of there. And it's what happens after well, they're not involved in. Like, so yeah, I just haven't had those situations crop up. So what I'm doing... Yeah, 500 isn't a lot. If someone wanted to walk, that's not a big deal for them. But it just hasn't yeah. happened yet. It's also like kind of the world that it sounds like, right? And I'm not entirely versed on your company, but I know it's like this in my company, I think, as well. When you start dealing with like these higher end residential kind of like restoration type projects, there ends yeah. up being, inevitably, there ends up being more people involved. Oh, yeah, to some extent, right? So it's great, like, like right now we're doing a big construction project and there's no designer. And, like, that's great for us. It's also the color selection by the homeowner is getting a little weird, but you can, like, see the value of a designer when you have a 12,000-square-foot house and there's mm-hmm. no designer and you're like, really? We're going to go with that color? Okay. But, like, I feel like that is kind of a staple once you once you enter from, like, the a more of a residential market to a more of, like, a high-end restoration type thing like you're talking about, Connor. Is that the case for you guys? Connor, you want to take this one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it. No, it, even now that you're talking about it too, um, actually, I've, I've had other delays this year. Not cancellations, but delays because of we're work, working on old homes. We're working on exteriors and you, you get contractors that say, yes, we're going to make these repairs by this time. Doesn't happen. Like, so we, we've, yeah. I've now that you're saying, saying that I've run into it. Um, yeah. And kind of going back to like your point, Luke, about, uh, yeah, just like scheduling. I mean, I like one thing I, I I ask is with every like estimate is like, what is your timeline? Like, when do you want this project done? If they, you know, don't really have like 
and this is a, a lot of cases if they don't have like a specific timeline like yes i want it done by the end of march if they don't have a timeline then like if if i have something that is like pressing um as as far as scheduling then they get preference um but but if they communicate with me like hey we're having work done like this week they'll finish by this date i want you to come in and do the work this week then like i'll do everything i can to make sure that client gets served that week yeah so if if the client is vocal about um yeah, if, if they're vocal about uh, a specific time they want the project done, then I give them that preference. Um, but otherwise, like this past year, I've not, I've not gotten a call from someone who just moved into town. They want their room, they want some painting done on a tight turnaround. Like I don't, I would tell them like, no, we're booked five months out like we can't unless you're okay with waiting that long like we can't serve you so I, I give the people that are currently scheduled with us like i'm focused on taking care of them mm -hmm. that's i mean that's just that's just been me because otherwise with like the amount of calls i've gotten this past year it could have got ridiculous i mean i could have made some clients upset by saying like hey this is when we should get to you but and then it turns out being two months later than we said then yeah then i i think that's committing the crime a lot of contractors do is they don't show up when they say they're going to show up and i like i don't want to be that type of business and 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 also too just when we start a project i just want to be able to finish like we'll do everything i can to knock it out so going between projects too is just it like my brain can't do that it's inefficient too you know Same. it's like yeah. you're not you got oh, we got yeah. the three vacuums over here but we, have, we need the extension ladder over on this one but then we'll need it back over on this it's like it's it's a lot at that stage or at the size that you guys are at too the uh, I, it's interesting. I, I put zero faith in any, and I love the GCs I work with, and I they're great, they're high end, they're custom, they're fantastic people. I go, we do dinners and Christmas parties and all this stuff. I never put us any value in a timeline they give me ever. <laughs> I just don't. They because they're they're a they're not in control of the situation, and b they're in, always optimistic. Yeah, and so, like, just for example, this big one that we're on right now. They're going to have a trim company in. They're going to have 15 guys in here for six weeks. The entire interior will be yours for four months. That's what we need. That's the, that's the timeline we need to do all this work. There's been four carpenters there for like four months now. And like we're fighting dust because they're blowing off their table saws two rooms over with air compressors instead of vacuuming things up. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm looking at Noah's HEPA filter in the background, like salivating, getting jealous over here, like trying to figure out box fans and filters and air pressure and all this stuff. But like that trim company disbanded and then there were supply line issues and they couldn't get the trim in. Now I'm back priming the trim on site. 
all of this completely out of control of the very well organized, good intentioned GC that we're working with. Mm-hmm. But so I just I I can't plan my schedule around them at that stage. So I will do yeah. the best I can to scramble when it comes up and to make it work and to throw as many guys as I can at it, but I can't leave myself out on the line with that in mind, you know? That's the way I look at it. And what ends up happening is, yeah, there's times where I tell residential customers I'm going to be there in two months and I'm there in three. And it's I'm doing a disservice to the guys that are there because now they're dealing with a grumpy customer out of the gate. And and But at the same time, I'm taking that out as insurance on my company, which is to say, like, yes, we may be a little bit later and we might not be super reliable on a start date. But when we're there, we're yours and it's going to be brought to the finish line and you're going to be happy with it. Luke, do you guys do like custom new builds and remodels because you need it or because you like it? Uh, Really good question. So the the way we just kind of got into it. Um, A lot of the guys that we work with the GCs, it kind of started as um, they'll have like a painter that they keep on staff and then they'll get something that's a little bit too big for them. We kind of squeeze our way in and then uh, we end up showing them what we can do. They're very happy with it. And so that's kind of how we worked our way into that world. Uh, But a lot of it now is service work on those big residential projects that have already happened and mm-hmm. so it's repaints of rooms it's they well they want to add wallpaper they actually decided they want to whitewash this brick or they want to do a gloss room in this house now so like that's i don't want to be in the new construction world mm-hmm. uh we don't make as much money it's like i was just saying it's super unpredictable and it's the value of my company which is like very well spoken intelligent clean cut human beings that i'm bringing to your house Mm-hmm. does not transfer to new construction when the homeowner's not there and nobody cares who's on the job site. Yeah. I want that customer in four years when they buy another property or when they decide to redo a bunch of the stuff that they want to change or, you know, now this lady's best friends with a new interior designer and this woman wants to spend a whole bunch of this other lady's money mm-hmm. and I'm there to graciously help. Like, so that's how I think about it. It's really access to incredible clients and, you know, through the GC or through them directly, if given the GC's blessing. Interesting. So are you, do you feel like there's, do you feel like more of those, those great, incredible clients you mentioned come through that pipeline than just an external call where you can just kind of get them in your lap, like without all that extra BS? It's about for like the the people that we've done a lot of new build work for and then going back and doing more, that mm-hmm. probably right now makes up fifteen percent of our work. Mm-hmm. Um and then new construction's probably thirty-five, and then the other fifty is residential repaint stuff with our own customer base mm-hmm. directly. But as we grow or as not because I'm, well, I'm pretty happy with the size that we're at, but as the, as we age, I'll say, uh, as a company, I'd like, I figure that that number of that 15% of the, the new customer grabs through the new construction will grow. Mm-hmm. 
And as that base of people grows, you know, I can start kind of turning down more of this new construction work because I've made those connections and I just, the hassle, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was my soliloquy for the episode, my diatribe. (laughs) (laughs) We could go in a lot of directions from here. I'm trying to think about it. Um, I have a a totally random question that I think you guys both would be good at answering for me. New trim, wood, filler. What are you using? Because I'm running into issues. I'm R&Ding that right now. Keep me in the loop Um, because we are too. <laughs> yeah, like I'm in a so the first episode I was talking about, like I was deci- I was trying to decide like what level of wall finish we were gonna be. We we're gonna offer two different things. I decided on that. We're just our only offering is gonna be high end. I'm not I'm not playing the game where I skip stuff and are you like, don't want you the customer that. It's like it. no, we're we're getting LEDs and everything. That's gonna be perfect. Trim, I don't know yet because it's like. This, this, these are the things I overthink, but it's like most houses I walk into, there's Regal Semi or some bullshit painted on it with stupid brush strokes. So do I put a nice product over that without taking off the other painter's work? If I take off the other painter's work, all of a sudden that trim package quadruples the price of the room. So I'm sanding everything down to bare, prime fill, prime to like, then that turns into a whole big deal. But do I slap a nice product over their awful work? Like, is that going to match the gorgeous walls I just did? So I'm trying to think about how I do that. Anyway, it's a trim filler. Like I'm R&Ding that MH, uh, MH, is it ready patch? Yeah. Yeah. That stuff. We're having really good results with that. It sands awesome. It tints well, it dries super fast. Um, and also the three, three M small hole repair that works for walls yep. is surprisingly good for small trim stuff. I wouldn't use it on big trim stuff. Cause it's, I don't know if it's, I think it says it's a wood filler. I'm not sure I'd use it as a wood filler, but I've, I've, I've been liking those two. I'm not sure which one's going to come out on top. Wow. What you got, Connor? Yeah. yeah I mean, we've been using, uh, Crawford's vinyl spackle. So we hit it with that first. Um, and then saying that real quick and then going through with uh glazing putty the the red glazing putty and filling that because it's yeah like it the oil-based glazing putty uh it the red the bondo red oh oh, okay okay i was thinking when it comes pre-mixed yeah it's yeah it's Yeah. yeah it's uh I don't know. It's it's yeah. The red. It's. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah, because with like filling nail holes, like the first round of filler always like it just it shrinks, and then for to like really get it like flush, you need something as challenging to sand. Like it, it's yeah. Most most putties just it's easy to knock down and. Um, so that's kind of what we've been doing is having that first round of putty, um, just kind of laying like the foundation and filling 90% of it and then 
going through with some glazing putty. That stuff is hard to sand. It sands nice, but it's like to sand it down a a, a patch. Like it it takes a bit, which I like. So what that what's that Crawford? So I've seen that in Sherwin Williams. That's like the Crawford's water putty. Is that the same thing? It's like in water in the can almost. Uh, Crawford's makes they make an oil based putty, which that's what a hat the oil based putty has water in the can. Okay. Um and that's like that's something too that that could work as well. It's just that putty takes a long time to dry and I don't know, I'd rather just use a they also make it like their their vinyl spackle. Just you fill it so you go and you hit a room once and then by the time you end up where you started it's ready to like knock it down with a uh sanding block and then you can hit it with some glazing putty and so yeah that's that's for ref yeah that's for round one this stuff right yeah yeah that's it i i'm reasonably certain I, i think on instagram i've seen phil and turner using that stuff and if if I'm remembering that correctly, that's a pretty good endorsement. What up, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil, right. uh, what is it? Philip the craft person now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got something interesting going on. I don't, I haven't seen that many details about it, but some kind of training program yeah. coming up, right? Yeah, I think more details on that should be coming out soon. So free plug. Yeah, everyone knows Phil, right? To, yeah, Turner's too. The some of the stuff that they do. I I think that they were they the ones that recently did a. I think it was like a mahogany door or some kind of door in the uh, FPE brilliant varnish. And it was just like, he's prolific. I mean, he's one of the best craftspeople around and he's yeah. The Texas, right? Texas. Yeah. 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 The level of stuff he's putting out is awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yep. What up Jade? So nothing we're going to talk about. This is more of like a me and Connor level thing, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. Luke is we're both bidding jobs for that will include employees we don't have yet or employees that aren't trained yet and like when i'm aware that i'm doing that i just am going high like high 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 to Hmm. absorb how wrong i might be right like i'm not thinking about that super super mathematically because it's just like if i know i'm gonna have slow people in their first month or two there it's just like, let's build in their presence in training and like, in like a big picture ethical business sense is like, should I be shooting for the moon on jobs that are absorbing my inefficient training that's happening in their house? But like, is there a better way for a small company learning and training? I mean, is your training inefficient even? Like, is there a better way to train a painter than on a job site really? I'm in early-ish phase training like yeah. i've been there doing most of it so it's way better than me but like are they producing okay i'm being hard on myself they my people in training are producing stuff they're not producing stuff fast they're making our lives easier to do higher level stuff but it's like yeah i think the fundamental question is like bidding jobs for a labor force you don't have present or trained yet yeah it's been something i think about and my answer again is just high hmm interesting what I mean, this is what I've been doing is 
when I, so I went from solo operator, I'm producing all the work to I've hired a painter and I've hired apprentices and I'm training them. Um, and so initially when I was bidding, I was bidding like anticipating, like how long will it take me to do the work? Like how long will it take for con it, like a team of cons to paint this house? <laughs> that, so that was not great. <laughs> um, Cause yeah, I mean, every person of hire that just, they can't, they're, they're not there yet. Hopefully, hopefully in the future they all will be, but um, uh, yeah, I, I guess that led me to like, that led me to do some digging and trying to find out like, okay, like there should be a minimum production rate or like someone who has been trained, who is, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how, how to describe this because this also like ties into you with the employees I've hired. And like, I've ha I, I essentially have like a training system and what an employee makes at my company is based off of like this charge, this chart where um, they're, so they're either pro pro below production level, they're adequate. So they're producing at labor rate, they're proficient. And then um, one, yeah, one other like level and based off of where they're at with like cutting in uh, like brushwork if they're if they gone to adequate to proficient at it, they get a raise. And with each, yeah, so, and there's like a defined, like achievable goal. Like this is what it looks like to be proficient at rolling. This is what it looks like to be proficient at um, <clears throat> interior prep. So I've kind of defined that and I guess I'm, I'm just like bidding my work off of that and knowing like when I hire an apprentice who knows nothing about painting, they're one going to be a thousands dollars of investing. I'm like putting into training them like realistically, like hiring a new person is costing thousands of dollars, but um, I'm not bidding the work knowing that like, Hey, this person is, like they've never rolled a wall before and I'm going to factor that in. Like it's going to take five hours for them to roll this small hallway. Like I, I've just been bidding things like by our base production rate and trying to go off of that and just accept like I've hired someone new, their apprentice and they're going to be cost me money for, or I'm, yeah, they're going to be an investment and for the next three months to a year, like as they're learning, they're just going to be costing money. So I don't know. That's me. And that's cost me thousands this year. <laughs> yeah. so Noah's thinking is 
I don't know. What do you think, Luke? So I got a couple things on it, and I had the advantage of uh, when I first started doing estimates, doing estimates with somebody who's been doing estimates for 20 years. So like most people in our industry don't have that experience. And that's one of the big jumps that you lose when you, you know, start with start on your own is like, yeah, I can paint and like, I can figure out the business end. I talk to customers. Like one of the big things is like guessing how long painting is going to take. We don't, when we're working for a company, we don't do that. So you try to just do your best with it. So like I was at an advantage there. My dad is notoriously bad at estimating (laughs) and the reason for that is he's the fastest painter that's ever lived on this planet who can also produce at just an extraordinary quality it's just mind-blowing so like you were saying connor it's like yeah with six mike de blasi's in here we could have the room done in four 45 minutes man that's great (laughs) how about the average human being that's in the company so that's what i try to do is like i think of the middle person in our company and that's kind of constantly changing as we're adding people as people are gaining skills it's like who's our like right snap like smack dab in the middle of skill quality and speed and i'm like all right how long will this person take to do this room and that's what i'm trying to do right now so like you know maybe for noah that's bender for you right now you know between yeah so that's that's how i try to think of it and then just right with you Noah, it's like just don't miss low man i used to pitch i used to play baseball and like let's say i just walk like three batters in a row and i'm just throwing high fastballs it's just like just don't miss high so it's like every time I, every time I go out for an estimate, I just got to remind myself, like, like we were talking about before, I don't owe this person anything. I don't need to accommodate this person. I need to accommodate my company and all these people that work for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to miss low because yeah. things are going to, lastly, it's like things will come up. And do you want to be the guy that goes back and says, Hey, I need another $400 because this wall peeled a couple times. And you can see clearly in my estimate, I said, I'm only going to do this once and it happened. Or I just charge a little bit more. I make sure that I'm getting the kind of customer I want anyway, because the customer that I don't want is going to say no to that higher price. And then when the wall peels, I scrape it off. I redo the Durabond or the plaster weld or whatever. And I take care of it. And nobody even knows. and Everybody's happy. And, and if everything goes right, I make a bunch of money. But it rarely does. Yeah. Here's here to that. I mean, at the end of the day, like I think we said this in another episode, we're dealing with adults. If an adult signs a contract with us, like we we don't need to be overthinking that. Like they've looked at the price and the the deliverable and they've agreed. Yeah. So it's like part of me is like it's impossible to rip someone off in this industry because if they agree to it and they're of sound mind, then like, like, I think I think that's like an oversimplification, but I think we should have that mentality a little bit that we're dealing with with free thinking adults who don't have a gun to their head. We mostly provide a luxury service, and like a painted wall is preferable to a sheetrock or an unfinished wood wall. But like we don't, we're not plumbers, so yeah. like we it's not like we can often compel people to make a financial decision for us under duress. Like yep. that's not that's not what we do. No, it's a really good point because I, it's so I think it's an argument for charging what the market will bear and always push that and never do work at our expense. Yeah, 100%. Um, on that, I like what you said about like trying to dial in the middle employee who, if everyone performed like them, 
you'd still run a happy, profitable company. That's what I'm starting to hone in on now. It's before when I was training vendor on interior stuff and she wasn't quite at production level on a lot of stuff. I was still looking at how I can do things and then adjusting down. Um, but now I actually have someone who can do all sorts of prep and now she's basically independent at all, at all trim stuff. So now I'm starting to gauge, get a baseline for her production rates. And those are starting to form that middle ground of like, if I had three people like her at these prevailing ish rates that I'm used to charging and getting these jobs, does this financially work? So that's, that's what I'm, I'm able to, to log now more instead of me imagining an adjusted NOAA rate, I'm getting a pretty damn good employee who's learning, not a pretty damn good employee, a very damn good employee who's learning pretty quickly. And Hmm. yeah, I think that's important is, is to, once you start to develop that first employee, clock their stuff and start to work off that. And guess what? They're only going to get better from there. And then you're just going to make, more money in that situation. Are you guys clocking production rates for employees? I, like, yeah, starting to. Okay, um, so yeah, like how long is it going to take to paint this door? Yeah, for example. This, this past week, we had two hmm. bedrooms next to each other that were almost identical trim packages. And one thing, like, I don't know if we talked about this. I might have talked about this uh, with you at, at breakfast the other week, Luke, but like, when I do that trim package, I'm not masking any of the natural wood that's adjacent to it. That's like, you know, like the floor or anything else that's like a 16th or or an eighth of an inch away. I don't need to. My SOPs for employees, they're masking all that. So there's, and it feels grossly inefficient because by the time she's done just prepping for that situation in the next room, I'm done with my room. Yeah. Just completely. And Again, that that like old solo craftsman Noah is like this is so inefficient, stupid. But let's <laughs> you are not designing your <clears throat> SOPs for you. You are designing your SOPs so that people who have very little experience can produce something for you, and not room stuff. I th- that's that's <laughs> the yes, little, well, little Slavic, matrix. Yeah, Slavic put out that wall painting bedroom SOP. Uh, this week. And I thought that was super interesting. And then I I don't know, somebody commented on it and, uh, he's like, excuse me. He was like a trainee can do this in six and a half hours. Our average employee can do it in four and I can do it in two and a half. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, it makes sense. But you need to charge for four. You need to not charge for two and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I, he sent me that document and I modeled my entire interior SOP flow checklist off of that with the time on the sides for each task and the phases broken down. I love that concept. Yeah. Um, so that's, that is exactly what I stole from him. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, it's smart it's, it's, and it's well, it's well organized. It's a good that, layout. Yeah. Yeah. That he's notoriously smart and well organized. So yes, he is. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, I wonder to like, you you come at all this from a really different angle like me and connor have have blank slates we like we can build whatever we want with no with no like past no history no like nothing established we're we're establishing everything for the first time like you're in a situation where you kind of you grew into an established thing 
and now you're changing a lot in it. I wonder if you ever do thought experiments where like, if you were in me and Connor's shoes, like what would you be thinking about most? What would you be trying to create? Like, I feel like that's a huge prompt, but yeah, no, it's an interesting so it's, idea I think about. Oh, it's super. And so when we were just in Vegas this week, I'm like, man, it's warm here and it's three degrees at home. <laughs> we could move and and in the back of my head i'm like yeah but your customer base i'm like yeah but then we could do everything the way that like i see everybody else doing it that makes a lot more sense uh and before the show we were talking a little bit and it's like the old metaphor it's like big ships take a long time to turn you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of baggage in a company that's kind of half started 25 30 years ago with you know one one dude learning this trade from the scratch uh, there's a lot of knowledge there too, but there's a lot of baggage. Uh, I think, I think a lot of it depends on how big as a company you want to be like, but if I was my company, if I was planning on getting to where we are today with around 13 guys, quick question, would that be what you wanted? Okay. That's a fair question. Yeah. What is Luke want in this, in this world? Yes. That's what I want. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's the challenge of it is uh, what I need. I need that in my life. Like we've talked a little bit, like a, kind of yeah. the, embracing the chaos a little bit. I I do like it. it. It overwhelms me at times and it gets to be too much, but I enjoy it. Um, yeah, so I'd want to be the, around the same size I am now. What I would want to do is from the start, create a, and I kind of, I was working on this the other day, but creating a, from the contact to the customer, to the final invoice, one streamlined system. So all the information tracking through there from down payment to extras, uh, final invoice, all the customer's information, the estimate from the estimate, the work order, kind of we were talking about it last week a little bit. That Mm -hmm. system built from scratch or using another program makes a lot of sense to have. And like yeah. we were talking about before, it's easy when it's just you and a couple people to just real quick. I got, I have 11 minutes of free time. Like I can get this estimate done real quick. I'll just type it on Word. I'll save it as a PDF with a cool logo on it. I'll send it. Boom. Looks legit enough. Let's go. And then I'll try to remember the person's email in three months when they respond, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> or how, what percentage of bids I'm actually winning, you know? So that system on the admin, uh, on the admin side is huge. Um, that is where we really missed. So like, unlike most companies, I was kind of obsessive about job costing right out of the gate. So we did good on that, but that's a big one. And then secondarily, listening to you guys talk about training and what you're doing and and the speed at which you're taking it, which is not like, it's well thought out. You guys are, you're looking for the right people and you're trying to turn them into painters. Like when we were growing and getting busy, it was just like, uh, Julie's cousin just got laid off and he doesn't smoke crack. (laughs) Bring him on, baby. Let's go. Like he's a body. Let me give that boy a scraper. And so that's really like, it, it was not well thought out. It was not planned. It was just like, say yes to everything, panic and hope for good weather. And like that, mentality grew us to where we are but it will also be the thing that ultimately like drives me off the edge of that cliff when when flirting with the chaos Mm -hmm. so reining it in so 
taking a training program, slowing down to make sure that the standards of the individual are progressing the way they should. Because for a long time in our company, it was a few people that knew exactly how I was supposed to look and a bunch of people that were trying, but either did not understand what it was supposed to look like or were incapable of it. And then those few people circling back around afterwards and fixing it. And it caused resentment and frustration and anger and dissatisfaction between individuals. And you you guys seem like you're going to avoid that. So that's like a big thing I would say to somebody who's looking to grow a company like you guys are is like checkpoints with your customers. Like Connor was talking about the, the having that system in place that to me, I'm like, I'm jealous of you as, as you're explaining that. And that's what we're trying to do with guys now. But I have like four guys that are like really good at some things. And like, I don't know that are ever going to get to where they need to with other things because they just, it got missed in the, in the development of that human being as a painter. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like a lot of what you're saying, the, the, a through line of like, build it before you need it. Yes. When maybe it doesn't feel important. So yeah. that it's not scrambling and left behind when things get too busy and chaotic because the thing isn't in place. Yeah, a hundred percent. That that's a that's a good way to put it. And that's why you're in charge. <laughs> you could simplify that whole that whole thing down to one very good sentence. Uh and then like for me, the last thing I would say to anybody and, and I'm really glad that I did this this way, is just don't unless you absolutely have to burn no bridges just if you got to look at every every single extra thing that you did for free every single uh i'll take care of it this time but like hey we have to have a conversation about it before we start the next one if you're working with a gc or or a long-term customer like as an investment and Mm -hmm. you know what if you're not going to spend the money on marketing like here's here's your marketing budget right here it's these three walls that it's not your fault that they're not right, but we're going to do it anyway. And that's, that's been huge in our company. The, the big, the big new construction company that we work for, we got kind of brought in on the middle of it. It was of the first job we ever did with them. And there was no money left in the budget. And we ate pennies for weeks and it was worth every second of stress and not making that money on the front end. And that's the way I look at, everything that we do in the company but mm. yeah big changes are uh whatever noah just said like a, a couple minutes ago I, build it I before like you the, need it i i like the marketing budget like the the some doing something that's not your fault this is where i'm not being good with words <laughs> being overly accommodating in a way that can tax you a little bit is the best marketing you can do that's i could not agree more super yeah i would not it's hard to think about it that way Because sometimes like you're fed up with the job, you think you're done, you don't want to do the extra, like it's really easy to get disgruntled and give a bad uh, experience or not end that thing right after you put in hundreds of hours maybe. But like that is such a good thing to remember. And it's the last taste that's going to be in their mouth. Like, oh, hey, I I thought you were going to do this closet. And like, yeah, no, I was never going to do that closet. We never, I asked you if you wanted the closet done. You said no. (laughs) <laughs> but like it's two o'clock i have time yeah yeah okay yeah i'm happy to and then mm-hmm. you know that instead of that conversation the negative one they get to have a freshly painted closet and then they call you back again yeah i'm not good at that i think you're way better at that like 
I have more people pleasing baggage in my life than you do. It sounds like. I, <laughs> I guess, but it's I, it, that's an asset, and like that's. I don't know if it's the right answer. All I know is you're better than that at me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a family. Yeah. It's a De Blasi family trait. People pleasing. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I'm not prepared to put a value judgment on that, but it's yeah, just knowing like temperamentally, I'm not good at that. Yeah, it, it's but again, I had somebody who's been doing it for forever alongside with me, like taking that young man's energy and fire and like just tamping it down enough to be like, Hey buddy, shut up and do it. Yeah. You know? And, and just that, that's where my dad's experience were like, he'd be quick to say that I'm the reason the company went from what it was to what it did. But yeah. like he had like a chained animal that he had to kind of wrangle and make sure it was pulling in the right direction when it came to me. And and he did a good job with that. Sure. Where are you at in that spectrum, Connor? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Luke, I mean, kind of what you, you're, you've shared um, is honestly like, that's a big reason why I'm like, I really want to get out of the field as soon as we're able as, as a company, because um, I don't know, like I, I, I just have it. I mean, yeah. how like I'm wired is like, I only want to do something if we're able to do it well. And yeah, as I'm still like painting and training, there's, Meanwhile, like there are dozens of things that are just gnawing at the back of my brain, like all day that are, has to do with like streamlining, like training project management. Like I really want to set up the back end of our business even more. Like, and it's, it's like really, like really eating at me. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm almost like, yeah, it's, yeah, just like interesting, like hearing you talk and I don't know, that, that's like something I'm, I guess I'm, I'm might have to wrestle with, with this year is, um, yeah, like, it, I, like I'm looking at growing, like, because I, I want to get out of, out of the field, but Yeah, I guess like yeah, there's just tension between growth, adding employees, but also like making sure things on the back end of the business are set up well because otherwise the larger you get, the more chance for chaos with every person you add to the company, the chance for just chaos. Um Yeah, that Yeah, so I don't know, like, Luke looking, I guess, looking back for you, uh, like, I don't know what was the rate you guys grew at in terms of number of employees, but did you add on 
too much than you should have? Or do you wish you took a couple of years and stayed smaller and just made sure things were good on the back end? Or is it, or is it good to just walk forward and do your best as you're going along, like make changes as you go along? Cause you can't, you can't like, you can't plan for something until you discover what it means while you're in it. Yeah. It's like, you, you, if you don't know the problem exists, how can you solve for it ahead of time? Yeah. Um, I wish we were just more, I don't, I don't wish we grew slower. We went from three of us to 13 of us in four years. I wish we were more deliberate. Like, like I was saying, you guys are where it's like, I never thought, how do I make great employees? I just thought we need to get some people on this and I will make sure that the finished product is perfect and we'll try to get them to get there along the way. But there was no like, like the concept of training an employee was never something that, that went through my mind. It was like, come on, like here, I'll show you how to hold the brush. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so what you're doing wrong here is like, and like, I'll, I'll stick you in the closet and you'll get some experience with a paintbrush. And then as you, by the time you're done with the closet, you might be decent enough to do, you know, a part of a room that nobody's going to be in or something like that. <laughs> but it, it was that, that part, I would just wish we were more deliberate because you can train nine painters in, or 10 painters in four years. That's not, but you need to find the right people and you need to have an idea of what you're doing. But at the same time, like, like you were saying, it is kind of one of those things like I, w I would encourage people not to get bogged down and just to say yes and just take risks with the work that you're doing. And if it's like, I don't know if we can do this job, it's like, just do it. Just say yes. And like, what's the worst thing that happens? It, did you sign a contract that said you're not going to get paid if you deliver it two weeks late? Probably not. So like work weekends and like go crazy in the beginning and like tr go for it because mm -hmm. those relationships are the relationships that will be there down the road when you're in a spot like you're in right now, Connor, like where you're like, dude, I have nothing. Like, give me something. I need something for the guys for a week. I don't even care. Like I'll give them to you at cost. Just give yeah. me, give me, let me put painters somewhere for five days. Let me put four guys, five days. I'll show you their cost. I don't even want to make money on it. I just want to keep them working. Yeah. That's my thought yeah. is just always build network, try burn zero bridges and just forge ahead. Even if you're uncertain and troubleshoot the, the little stuff along the way and the big stuff, try to build it deliberately. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. There's a balance, right? I'm someone who wants everything set up at a really high level before I take the next step. And that's super slow and plotting. And I recognize that. And I admire people who just like go for it and do the trial by fire thing. And like they get there a lot. Well, I don't know. I think there's there might be a bias there because we see the examples that worked. Whereas Truth. We don't, we don't see the ones that crash and burn there. Yep. So it's kind of hard to trust that sample. But like the point stands like like there is the opposite side of the spectrum for me that works. The nice thing about this business is that we're not 
we're not putting ships on the moon. There's a finite number of variables in this work we do. And even though we're putting people in ever-changing houses and there's a lot of logistics, it's like we're dealing with relatively simple materials and a relatively straightforward toolkit. And we have a whole lot of really great people in this industry who've basically talked about every problem that exists in that set of scenario, in that like circumstance and have answered those questions. So I feel like we, we can kind of predict almost anything that's going to happen. And then we just solve for our, our particular circumstances around it. So it, it's hard to think of there being like an excuse for not seeing something coming in this industry in a sense, just cause like, does that make sense or am I just rambling? To an extent, but you're probably, we're also probably in the top 3% of people that are thinking about their businesses. And then we're speaking to the top 10% of people that are listening to podcasts about their business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's um, there's yeah. a lot of painters that like you know, stir sticks are falling out. Stir sticks and empty beer cans are falling out of their door when they open it, you know? hundred percent. hundred percent. We're not talking about them. Yeah. What with for you, Noah, right? So like as I was sitting there talking about the uh, kind of our opposing viewpoints on not necessarily opposing, just we're just different human beings. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like you could you have the work and the network and this kind of the the leads to be probably producing what two to three times what you're producing right now like if you mm-hmm. had this the people and the systems in place mm-hmm. you do have the systems but if you had the people yeah i imagine so that's that's a fair assessment yeah so is what's stopping you from going there or are you in the process of going there in the process like okay. i've been saying like just as i as i settle into interior is like the only thing in the future i'm just um yeah, I think I said, like, I'm not going to hem and haw on everything for months, but like, as I go through each process, I'm going to rethink it and to at, at every level, I'm talking suppliers, products, just how my pipeline, like my, my lead funnel and how I interact with new calls. Like, so I'm, I'm overhauling and formatting that while training some people who I trust to be able to kind of change with the things that I will be changing and implementing for the next, you know, month or two still, um, I don't want to add too much more in terms of personnel while that is all kind of evolving. And also the house thing coming up, that's going to be somewhat disruptive. So I just want to like stabilize my life before I keep going and and growing the thing. Um, Mm. And I'm just conservative on growth. So yeah, that's, that's probably the real answer, but, but yeah. It's wow. Well, it's deliberate again, when we get back to you, You've thought the why out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm a slow and plodding human being. So slow and steady and, and that's it. But it feels good to, to just rethink the entire, I ba- it feels like I started a new business a month ago with this decision. Like it's, it's cool. It's cool. Everything is under the magnifying glass now. Like I, I think I hadn't done that in a while just like looked at everything with a fresh critical lens and like a lot of things are changing. I think that's good. When you just said slow and plotting, I, when I hire people, I ask them a question 
that ends up that I've found to be what my successful employees usually answer. And it's like, hey, are you somebody who wants to, at the end of the day, be like kind of running full speed and like sweaty and dusty and like you got to run an orbital all day on siding and like tired? Or are you somebody who can like slow down and like feel like you could do something like very detail oriented, but at a much more, much more concentration and much more mental intensity, but less physical. Mm. I'm the dude that likes to be on the orbital all day. Mm. I need to hire people that are the uh, slow plotting, mentally focused, can do tedious things. Out of mm. that question that we've hired, I've hired six people that I've asked that question. The two that answered uh, that are more like me, that are a little mm. more uh, like physically based and uh, like to be a little bit sweatier have not lasted. And the, and the four that are intensely f- more focused and, and don't mind the tedious thing have stuck around. Super interesting. I will say, if you ask me that question about my job, my physical work, I'm with you. Yeah. On, on back-end business stuff, I'm the opposite. What do you Explain what you mean. Like, so with the back-end business stuff. Yeah, like with the planning and adding and growing and hiring, I'm super slow in product and plotting. With production, me physically working a room, I'm a crazed hell banshee just <laughs> sweating and yeah. like moving incredibly fast and doing really high-level work and just like frenetic. How would you identify Bender, who's been successful for you? In this, She would have answered the, the second way. The, the- the more tedious meticulous yep. type. just like that's why the things i'm teaching her she's better than me at them yep like it's hard when she's not around to do something that i haven't done in months and i'm used to it happening without me at a at a level that i can technically produce but it hurts me to slow down that much to get that extra five or ten percent yeah and that's just her baseline what and about you Connor? i can have three sorry th- my fault no, like if I can just have three or four more of those, like I, I think that's a super interesting question. Um, you stress less about those question. employees. Yeah, yeah. What about your guys, Connor? Like what, if you had to put them on one end of that spectrum or the other, which guys have been most successful for you? Oh, I mean, I yeah, I've the people I've hired, like everything we're doing, like if we're scraping a house, like it has to be, thoroughly done like so yeah the people have hired like even in like the hiring process um yeah telling them like there's gonna be jobs like for instance i had an apprentice he was in a 10 by 18 room for an entire week just sanding trim like plotting your murder (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that's like uh i've yeah made sure i've like i'm hiring people that are able to slow down and yeah yeah just are more like meticulous and yeah i mean the the three that are working for me are you know definitely that and yeah there's part of me like as the business owner where i'm like want them to move faster because i like i'm i'm ready to go Yep. Um, but they're also like, they're doing good work. 
And honestly, I'd rather have someone do good work and not be as fast as I'd like them to go and me being foot on the gas pedal with um, working than having someone that just flies through and misses a bunch of stuff because yeah. that, that makes me way more frustrated and someone like that, like I just don't want working for me, period. Yeah, the stress level associated with trying to keep an eye on somebody like that is like having to double check stuff and then having to point out like, hey, this is all needs to get done again. (laughs) That's a crappy conversation to have with somebody. Yeah, and and there's also like, I mean, the big thing I'm communicating is like slow down, like just slow down enough to do this one thing 100%. Like, Really, I, I painting in general is it's a, a a lot of small tasks that a normal person could easily do. Honestly, it's it's just yeah, getting like the big thing is just getting like that eye for detail, like training an eye for detail. And once once they get comfortable, like the employees that are more slow and meticulous, once they get that uh like skill down that eye for detail then their production is gonna be increased because i was like i was that myself at one point too where i was more slow and meticulous and then you just get comfortable in it you get the eye for detail and you can like fly through it and you're like i i'm really enjoying like working fast and flying through something and still doing nice work. You get to that point where it's enjoyable getting in your groove. So there, there just has to be, yeah, it's just hours, just a matter of putting in hours to, to get that down. But yeah, that's, if, if someone is not um, <laughs> meticulous or slow, like they won't make it three months with me. Yeah. The first mm-hmm. few months they're like, they'll want to quit after three months i don't have i actually want to ask you guys about core values and because that's a talking point and i find that they're often not like explicitly implemented in smaller to mid-sized businesses um but like one of i don't know i don't know if i could call it a core value but one thing all of my employees know is no backwards motion that is the thing that I'm obsessed with. And I find the, that meticulous people are very in line with that tenant and that like that workflow thing that we do not go back and revisit the step we just did. Like, I am so allergic to that. You're um, scaring me a little bit. I can see it in your face how intense this is for you. <laughs> like like that, that is the biggest waste of time. Most things we touch have dry times associated with them most phases build on the ones before it like that is that is the biggest production killer for me i noticed so that is one thing i'm just like obsessive about coaching about that gets me to core values so do you guys have them for your company like are they are they written out are they like articulated for us no no i mean for us it's not it's not something i've sat down and and written down um the if i were to just kind of off the top of my head, what do I try to pound into people? 
and like is we're in very nice houses like we're on very nice projects we need to present ourselves as such um from the product that we're providing to the cleanup at the end of the day to the way that we're dressed and the way that we act on a job site and then it's just quality over everything it's you know uh, and i tell guys when they first start with us like this is what we're going to do you're going to learn how to do it perfect and then you're going to learn how to do it perfect and fast and that's it so first thing be safe if we're outside or anything like that but and then figure out how to do it perfect and then we're going to speed you up mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much it i mean and there's as the company's grown the cultural component of how we are with each other i think is the last thing that really needs to get laid down because we i we have a really great group of people and they get along really well and i love being at work with them it's fun mm-hmm. Uh, but just making sure that when we bring new people in, that they understand that something I I need to, I want to focus on, but no, we don't have it written down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. No, Connor. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I, I wrote it down. Um, yeah. Cause that was, yeah, that was something as I learned higher, like, learned hiring this year. Um, yeah, I, I only wanted to bring on people that like, man, like they're on board. Um, so yeah, there's, I'm actually, I pulled it up on my laptop cause it's been a little bit since I've looked at it since it's been a little bit since I hired, but I have like a statement about like, this is what the company's about core values, expectations, how are expectations measured? our core values evaluated and then I have them read and like read and sign this. If they want to work for me, like they need to read this and sign it and like give it to me along with application and and other things. But I mean, core values, what I put down was trust. Uh, I think I got this from Nick Slavic, but gain and maintain trust Mm -hmm. uh, is, I mean, that's, huge with me if i'm bringing on someone like they already have gained my trust because they've gone through my they've jumped through my hoops and gone through my maze of hiring (laughs) so um i trust them but like they have to maintain that yeah for for clients like they have to they have to keep that they have to be thorough thoroughness thoughtfulness generosity, passion. So those are five core values and which that's something I need to, yeah, looking that over, I mean, it's one thing just to like write it down and have it on a file in your computer and then remember, oh yeah, I have these written down somewhere, but that's a, as I'm like reading this, I'm just reminded, you know, these, these are important. These need to be the heartbeat of like our company. And I don't know, beating that drum a little more, just reminding people. Mm -hmm. So employees have at least seen it and signed it, but have you done those evaluations based on the core values? And then I guess the follow up to that is like, 
I'm always interested to see how people are assessing those kind of abstract values like that or evaluating yeah, them on those values. Yeah, let me look this up. Yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, they, they are <laughs> evaluated on that. Like, one, like, come, I give them an evaluation every three months. And during the three-month evaluation, I give them three goals that I try and help them meet in these next three months so that every three months, like, they could potentially get a raise and help them feel like they're working towards something. And I know like, Hey, these are the three areas I want to be supporting and training this person. Mm-hmm. So I do that, but like, <clears throat> yeah, I guess the core values are definitely part of the evaluation because like if it comes time for evaluation and they've not kept up trust, like we're going to have a really uncomfortable discussion. If they've, if they've not been thorough, the past three months, then I'm going to have an uncomfortable discussion. Um, if they've not been thoughtful of coworkers, clients, we're, <laughs> we're having a discussion if for, uh, for the generosity, like putting just like spirit, just like them as a person, like com- contributing to like workplace culture, if they're, they just have like a bad attitude they're not a generous like kind person i'm gonna have an uncomfortable discussion so kind of all of like the core values and also like passion if they're not showing interest in growing or learning like all five of those things if if there's an issue in one of those like i'm gonna have a really uncomfortable discussion with that employee and because yeah, really thinking about it, if like one of those, like they're not on board with or not doing, like I, yeah, if, if there's not a way forward, then I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if I want them mm-hmm. working for me. So that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Part of the like three month and I, I yeah, the evaluation, I go, go over like, I've tracked revenue they've brought in and I've also seen like where their skill level is at. So it, they can get raises based upon that. Like, Hey, you've, you're, you're, you've uh, become proficient at rolling walls. So you're, you're getting a raise. Like I've Mm -hmm. seen this improvement. I have a measurable for it. Um, Yeah. That, yeah, so it's not explicitly part of it, but there's yeah things that they've done well, things to improve on. If they're not living out a core value, we're having an uncomfortable talk. So, yeah, I don't know that many businesses like our size, like that. That's even part of like the hiring program or review program. I know, like, I have a lot of stuff. I have a lot of back end business stuff really well done and that's not one of them like that stuff is just not developed as well yet for me so hmm. it's it's cool to see that 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 in you what 
Yeah, I agree. And it's it's one of those things that you don't realize that maybe it's a you're missing something until you hear somebody like Connor say like like the the, the speech you just gave. Like I'm sitting here like I'm I'm good. The way I do it is fine. And then I just heard you say that. I'm like, okay, the way I could do it could be better. <laughs> you know, and that's that's smart, man. It's it's smart to just take the time to do that and just introduce that on the front end, and then to just kind of when given the opportunity, especially in like quarterly meetings, to just keep up that like how do you create a culture it's not by talking about it once mm-hmm. and it's not by just acting that way yourself because that's what i always try to do it's like i'll just be like this and then they'll see me be like this and they'll act like this it's like <laughs> no that's not how life works so that's I, I like that approach Connor. and yeah it seems like you've thought that process out thir- like done that deliberate front end work on that i think like we keep coming back to that the central tone of just like even when you're really small relative to other businesses, act like a big business in some ways. And there's, there's probably going to be advantages to that. Act way bigger than you are on, on the back end and the business functions. And like, you don't have to do all of it, all of it at once if you're a two person company, but just like start to put those processes in and those things in that yeah, a couple hours a week companies do. And like that, that stuff pays dividends. Yeah. And like, I haven't done all of it, but I've done a good chunk of that stuff. And like, it matters. Yeah. Even, even with like that evaluation, like form I made, like, yeah, I, I put that in place when, yeah, I mean, before my first or after, right after I brought on my first person, but um, yeah, it just, it helped, it helped out a ton. Like, really thinking about like, what am I looking for in someone? And also it, it's, yeah, it like, it, it just provides clarity and yeah, I, I don't know. It, it Having structure and clarity is just, it's, it's helped out a ton. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thankful I put in the time to think about that and you were pretty dedicated about doing four tens and then an office day for yourself for a while, right? Yeah. Like, is this when, so you intentionally made that time and these are the fruits of your labor. Am I, am I correct in that? Like, uh, I, I, we switched to a four day work week this past summer. So no, this was, this was when we we're working five days a week. Um, okay. But yeah, working four days a week, that's been a huge game changer. Like, especially for myself as I've grown, like now, yeah, now, especially like we're doing interior work, like, and we're having, like, we can't, there's not many projects we can have everyone on all at the same time, which Noah, as you bring on people, like that's something you might encounter encounter that. Like that's been a game, like a game changer, like adding that third person, like that's, that's the number where like you need two crews almost. Um, yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah. This, but that's, I mean, that's been a huge help for me because, um, yeah, I just got tired of like having Saturdays for estimates and office work and only having Sundays for family, like 
was like, I, I don't want this. Like I want a full weekend with my wife and boys. Like I really don't touch much office work, things on the back end during the weekend at all. Like I Connor, I think you're supposed to just sleep less, man. I'm pretty sure that's what, uh, that's, just, <laughs> that's the prescribed method. I'm not supposed to do it at your expense. And be yeah. Yeah. Time. Make so time for it. Less. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that, that's, yeah, that's kind of like on weekdays, I try and wake up at between four and five and do things early, uh, prepare, prepare for the day, you know, first two, three hours of the day, start at seven and then I'm at home and then I just try and figure out what I need to prioritize on Friday. Can I ask? Which, I have yeah. a couple questions about the because I've I've been thinking about it and talking about it and trying to catch the vibes of my company and the people in it and see if it's something they'd be interested in. What was when you made the change? What do you what are you doing about like lunches and like the actual like when you start and when you finish and what was the reception like with your guys? So when I made the switch, I was down to one person. And yeah, I mean, that, that, that was just something I was, if anything, conscious about like what, how the employees might perceive it, like, I'll have to stay here till like five, like longer days, but actually that has been a huge factor in like attracting people to come work for me because from an employee's perspective, like having a three day weekend every single week, like they absolutely love it. And I absolutely love it too. Cause that's one last day during the week. I'm, I have to be on a project and I can do what's like eating at the back of my head all week. So, and then I get time for my family on the weekends. So it's, it's a huge win. And yeah, especially, um, the last two people I hired were through indeed and like, I didn't pay for anything. I just did the free, but like for the two people I hired, like that became for one person, especially that became like specifically like a huge drawing factor. Like he had experience and he's like, I like, that was a huge motivating factor for him to come work for me. Like, uh, and going from an eight hour day to a 10 hour day is honestly, it's like, I, I don't notice much of a difference. The guy who had working for me didn't notice much of a difference. Like it isn't, you don't really, those two hours don't really drag out. And as far as like lunches, like we have a 30 minute lunch and I, it's, it's a paid lunch. So like they're working, at, we're there 10 hours. They're doing nine, nine and a half hours of work. But um, that's just how I like make it worthwhile for them because like i don't want to be at a project past 5 p.m like i want to be home yeah by 5 30 mm-hmm. yeah the paid so, the paid lunch thing and if you like if you do well i've thought of thinking about it and like if you think about like cleanup setup time saved on that last day mm-hmm. yeah it can kind of justify the paid lunch and it's also another benefit to keep people around help build culture and taking that time where you're they're you know, eating a sandwich for 
a half hour making 12 bucks or whatever it is. You know, it's like, that's not a bad gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I worry about it with my older guys. I have a couple, I have two people that are 60. My dad's 54. My uncle's or not my uncle. He's not technically my uncle. I call him uncle Chris, but he's older too. And I don't, I just don't know if they would adjust well to, uh, that, that long day. But, Do you think you could split it and have like some people opt into it? I don't see the advantage not. for me at that stage. You know, like it sounds like Connor's in yeah. the office on Fridays without worrying about somebody not knowing what color they're putting on the trim in the bedroom mm. upstairs. You know, wouldn't that be your more experienced autonomous guys though? Yes. Need it? If yeah. It's, if true. It's all the old timers. Yep. Um, and it's also, uh, you're kind of taking away my good excuse not to try it here now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you're probably right. It, it probably would still be dramatically less stressful of, of, versus a normal day and mm-hmm. um, makes a lot of sense. When Slavic was talking about it, now even in the exterior seasons, they always get Fridays off. Yeah. If it rains on a Wednesday, he'll just take all his exterior guys and scramble and get them on inside jobs. Yeah. Is that what you're doing, Connor? Or are you going to uh, take that Wednesday off and then have people work Friday? Yeah, we, we had like a rain day list where we had, yeah, again with like the rain day list. What do you uh, mean by uh, rain day uh, list? Because I've never even heard that term before. Uh, so rain day list is a list of projects where they are one day projects where I know when we can get in start and finish that same day and they're okay with um having a being fit in whenever so like for instance when i was getting calls for like they someone wanted their uh bedroom painted and i'd say hey we're actually (laughs) we're booked six months out yeah but i can add you like if if you're okay with waiting like i can add you to a rain day list and like you'll be number three on a rain day list Mm -hmm. and i'll give you a 24-hour notice like hey looks like i can look at our forecast like looks like there's gonna be rain tomorrow i'll contact them hey can we show up and paint your bedroom on this day and you can say yes you can say no and if you say no like i'll just give you a call the next rain day and try and make, make that worth or worth or while. Cause yeah. And that, uh, that worked out pretty well. I don't, I don't think there may have just been like a couple days off through the summer that we didn't have work, but honestly, like the guys enjoyed it. Like <laughs> they, yeah. they, they didn't mind having a day off. Like they enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, that's that's like a rainy list, just small projects. Again, like I want to start and finish it in one day, not like yeah, yeah, not, not opening it. up a can Turn of worms the next day when the weather's nice. Like yeah, yeah, so that's where that's tough. That's like that's a and that's a lot of moving parts, and it's a lot of like I got all the ladders on this job. We gotta so make sure we grab this this stuff. We'll bring this. We'll get it done, and then we'll come back tomorrow we'll get all that stuff back after the other job yeah. yeah it's and like who pays for that it's i am 
I, I became like diametrically opposed to doing that in the summer a few years ago. I was like, it's not worth my effort. I would rather, like, I wasn't trying to do four tens. Obviously the stakes are a little lower if you're not trying to do that, but I just became so opposed to all that logistical effort because it never felt like neat and it never quite felt like things wrapped up in the right way. And the forecast would change at the last minute. I have, I have an episode spieling against this, like, <laughs> Becoming an interior-only company has made this idea something to revisit uh, for me. So I'm probably going to try it in the summer. And but you're not going. Time. You're not going outside, though. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not going to have the weather variable. So yeah. it's it's everything's more predictable. So the four tens feels. Oh, like the four tens you're going to revisit. Now. Yeah. Okay. No. I, okay. Yeah, yeah. If I wasn't clear about that, like I didn't want to do it during exterior season. Exterior season. I felt like the client where I was like had me on retainer to not go elsewhere. Yeah. But now that we're not going to get constantly changing weather indoors, um, everything's predictable. So I do want to try four tens. It's awesome. Yeah. We do with the rain day thing. Like we're, I'm almost always able to put everybody somewhere with even on a rainy day if we have, because we usually, I try to keep one bigger exterior going mm-hmm. throughout the, exterior season and then if i just have to dump like 10 painters in there for a day it gets a little crazy and chaotic but at least everybody got to work and we made some progress Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. that that challenge of like having you know a few one day jobs lined up like that's a tough that's a that's a high ask of yourself and yeah a lot of work yeah 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 thinking back to it too i mean that that was yeah, that, that was stressful. And I, I think, yeah, having that be worthwhile, like you really need to back end your project management, like, so it flows well. Like, so like, Hey, like this person's ready to go. Like the color is right here. I'm going to have it, everything delivered to this project. Um, yeah, I, so that it was definitely kind of clunky uh, for me over the summer, but I got to keep people working. But that's yeah, that's something that I want to streamline. Streamline and actually, uh, this past year, um, made me come to the decision where I want to have like one interior only crew like all year. Um, yeah, because I I still definitely want to do exteriors, um, because I, I I yeah, that's definitely our market and specialty, and um, but also, I'm, you know, one thing I just noticed from this past year is from like June through November, it was just exterior only, and. I don't know, like people have clients, like they could hire you for an exterior project and then ask, oh, do you guys do interior painting or you do interior work? And they're not sure if you do exterior painting. So that kind of led to, I think, um, uh, it definitely lessened the backlog I could have had for winter because for six months we just had a complete drought of like no interior work because 
I made no room on the schedule for it. And I was not sharing any pictures of it. My reviews were about exteriors. So that led to people think like, I, I think that plays a factor too. So, mm-hmm. and yeah. And to just having somewhere I can put people working on exteriors on a rain day because the one day projects were, yeah, it's, it's a little, a little much, you know, it yeah, could be an interesting wise to have it opened up already. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Interesting thought could mean? be like, if you, let's say you start an exterior project and it's a customer you're getting along well with. Oh, one thing I always like to do when I do an estimate, especially if it's on the outside, has just like, like make a comment as we're walking around the outside. I was like, Oh wow. I love the color that you guys did in that room. Like that just opens it, you know? And then you could just be like, yeah, well just so you know, I mean, if you ever guys, anything ever have anything going on, we do inside work as well. Just like an easy Avenue into that. But, um, maybe you start like a program when you talk, you talk to the customer and it's like, I'm here until the end of this project. If there's anything inside the house that you would like done, like we could do it at a reduced rate or something like that as well. Uh, on a rainy day, we stay here. It's easier for me. I don't have to move all my stuff around. We already have our gear here mm. and you can get it, you know, some, maybe some small projects you wanted to get done at a lower rate. It could be like an interesting way to kind of get rid of the, cause the real issue is the logistics of moving everything around and, and being ready to go. But if you're yeah. there the day before, you're on site and then you can talk to the guys, say, Hey, we're going to do this room. You can do the run through the day before when you know the weather's coming. It, it could, it's just a cool uh, way to think about it. could be helpful. Yeah. 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 And there's, yeah. And also like there's parts on the exterior too, where if it got rain, it was unaffected by rain. So like, yeah porches leave it like leave this part alone yeah yeah don't touch the porches boys stay off the porches mm-hmm. yeah uh, that's a that's actually a, a good idea um yeah i yeah. like it i mean moral of the story is like this stuff is totally possible those like lightning switches but like it takes streamlining and intentionality to do well because there's so many different ways to get super disorganized and start yeah. letting down everyone in this scenario. So, I've done that a few times. I got pretty yeah, good. Yeah, no, that. it's that's why I banned them for me. I was like, this is, like, yeah, yeah. And the guys don't like it either. The guys don't like being thrown into spots where they're like, we were just scraping yesterday this house, and now like I'm yeah. over here, and I don't have all the equipment I need. And if and like if the back end's not there, it's like I don't have all the information I need. Mm-hmm. And you have to get it done by the end of the day and everyone's still adjusting by 10 30 AM. Yep. So it's like, yeah, yeah you're still shaking twigs out of the, uh, drop cloths in the front yard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dead caterpillar from the last job trailed into this house. <laughs> Not with Connor's, uh, ground yeah. floor protection package. You're good, mm-hmm. baby. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, it's 11 o'clock. Do we, do we all have snow days tomorrow? Have we decided that? I'm, I'm taking advantage of the four day work week provided <laughs> advice by connor and i'm going to be hammering bills and estimates all all day tomorrow with no stress of outside workers full snow day for de blasi painting okay okay and connor you're on a job site right i don't know uh at or, least depending on, the weather, depending on what the dump is yeah yeah the depends on the weather and even honestly the biggest thing is like can i get can i get out of the house like um <laughs> Yeah, because I live on a long, a long hill, and it's cobblestone, and 
it's one of the last streets to get plowed and yeah if it's if it's not plowed and well salted like i can't leave the house like it's <laughs> it's like we've we've time. had like yeah well last year we had like three inches of snow like not much but there were like six cars just like they abandoned their cars like because <laughs> they could not get up or down the hill like so yeah so i i it, it depends on that like it depends on the roads like pittsburgh has yeah steep hills and just it's all about the roads so i don't know delayed start at least but it might, okay. might get canceled looks like we're gonna looks like it's freezing rain right now i think so i don't know we'll mm. see that nice base for a foot of snow to dump on yeah, <laughs> yeah. how about you no you off uh i think yeah i think the strategy is take the subaru to work tomorrow and then ski on tuesday after all the tourists leave which i know is just the most vermont thing to say quality um, of life ladies and gentlemen yeah it's yeah the subaru turns in the work vehicle because my van has two-wheel drive and a four-cylinder and it's even with snow tires it is useless in the snow yeah um just constantly just drifting accidentally so yeah <laughs> that's that's what i think is gonna happen so yeah. All right, gentlemen. Um, thanks for being here. What's yeah, your man. Instagrams? Thanks for having us. Uh, at de Blasi Painting and also deblasipainting.com. That's us. Uh, Remnant Restoration Painting. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, good luck yeah. this week, guys, and good night. Awesome. Thanks. All right. That wraps up the final batch of the 3X Base series remember to submit your feedback through the short anonymous survey in the show notes thank you for listening take care i will be back soon with more paint ed podcasts are produced by the painting contractors association and is made possible by members and industry partners to find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.